Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Good day, everybody. My name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Today on the show, Jason Mercer. Jason, thank you very much for being on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this. Uh, i kind of looking forward to ending my day, my Friday, uh, you know, with, with, with you and doing this. <laughs> Jason and I were talking uh, before um, there was, I got uh, cancellation just before Jason. And I said, oh, I, I got to hit the gym a little bit before our podcast. And Jason in his wisdom said, preserve the sexy, man. I, I loved it, man. 50 year old white guy, you know what? Dead sexy, like a fat, um, uh, fat bastard. You're, you're says. never too old. It's, it's, a, it's, it's both physical <laughs> and mental, but once you, once it, it, it I, the reason I say preserve, I'm very big on this. Justin Timberlake has a sauce, so I'll get that sexy back. I think oh, that's right. back is a lot harder than preserving. <laughs> so I say get to your level to try to stay there. Because once once you come off that level, it's hard to get back. I, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, fabulous. Well, thank you. Jason, like all the guests on the show, you've had the opportunity to think. We had a little bit of a pre-show a couple of weeks back and I think it's important with the platform that we've got. What's uh, what's the title that you would like to the show to be today? Sure. Uh, for me, the title would be, it takes intentional solutions for intentional problems. We are going to dive into this. Jason, tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us where are you from, you know, all the way up to currently talk about your, your, you know, where you're raised, born, how you're raised, and then how do you go up to being who you are and what the company you're at as well? Sure, sure. And I'll try my hardest not to make this sound like an interview answer, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I start this answer whenever anyone asks me, uh, I'm very proud to be a kid born in Metro Detroit. Uh, one thing around that, I always yeah. say Metro Detroit, just because I have so much city pride. Um, I never lived within the city limits. But my whole family mm-hmm. did. Um, if you know anybody from Detroit, it's a big thing where you like from the 313 or just outside. So I'm kind of just <laughs> I outside. And I, I, so out of respect, um, I always put the Metro in there. Uh, but uh, I am a, a child of like so many uh, of, you know, grandparents of the Great Migration. Uh, all mm-hmm. four of my grandparents were born in either Arkansas, Alabama, or in Tennessee. Uh, none of them have high school graduations. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, high school. Uh, none of them graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all four at some point uh, were, you know, either their parents or were themselves sharecroppers. Um, mm-hmm. And like so many people, like in the 1920s, 30s, uh, 40s, uh, moved up to, you know, industrial towns in Detroit, mm-hmm. Milwaukee, Chicago, because there were good jobs and those jobs yeah. did hire uh, black folk. Um, so, and how that relates into Metro Detroit and growing up there um, is important to me. Uh, my my family, you know, worked hard uh, to send my mother to college. Mm-hmm. Um, she was born and raised east side of Detroit um, in a pretty, you know, middle class for, you know, at mm-hmm. that time, um, my grandfather you know, he worked as kind of a shoe shyman in the train station and then worked in the plants. Um, 
kind of jumping ahead was actually the janitor at the you know elementary and middle schools that I went to, uh, which I thought was actually pretty cool. You know, I was, that you know, is pretty cool. Lunchtime, that is... You know? <laughs> um, and I and I guess I, I say that to say that working class uh, mentality is definitely in me. But what mm-hmm. is also cool in that is um, there was a like a sense of like I guess style and class that came from like I think that Metro Detroit you know, first generation of black folks to kind of have a little bit of money, you know, mm-hmm. have your Cadillac. And again, it's not like we kind of joke on it now, but there is yeah. a, a swag and a style that I think people from Detroit have because of that generation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love it. Um, so yeah, I kind of mentioned they, they, they worked hard to send my mom to college. And I say that just that that's my heart. And my soul were really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she went, graduated from university of Michigan, go blue. I didn't go there, but I'm a huge fan. Um, <laughs> and you know, made a good life. Uh, met my father. They didn't work out, but you know, that happens. Uh, I've had two kids, you know, pretty much raised us in the suburbs, uh, going to some pretty darn good schools. She was on those people that, you know, all she knew was education. I joke mm-hmm. when people say, I, it wasn't until I really got to college that I didn't know college wasn't an option. Like I literally yeah, yeah, yeah. grew up thinking like you graduate high school, you go to college, uh, which is much different than, you know, her generation. Uh so that's kind of like that part in high school, did a lot of the normal stuff, played sports, got pretty good at basketball and end up going to Morehouse, which is a historically black school in Atlanta, Georgia, yep. uh, played basketball down there. Just loved it. Um, I do think even in this global world of multi-races, uh, going to a historically black school for me was just amazing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, you see really the diaspora of, of different you know black folk. And it's, I mean, it's like any any race. Uh, mm-hmm. Which you're Scottish. Not all Scottish folks yeah, yeah. are the same. You got you know northern part of the countries and southern and western. It's it's no uh, different from anything. Um, so at Morehouse, you really got to see that and just made some great friendships. And I'll be honest, I think some of like I, I really marvel at how well my friends are doing. I got uh, some buddies. You know, one of my buddies is on CNN all the time. You know, <laughs> you know an elected official. We got some CEOs. It's, it's, it's really impressive. And I think that is one of the beauties of Morehouse and um, that, that culture is that for, for, you know, a couple since 1867 really is leading a lot of things in the black community. So that's been um, amazing. Uh, after four years there, went and worked on Wall Street um, at Lehman Brothers or the bank mm-hmm. formerly known as Lehman Brothers. Formerly known, yeah. <laughs> the bank formerly known as Lehman Brothers. Um, I left kind of right before uh, it went under which mm-hmm. was kind of interesting because the years right before were some of the best years the company had ever had. Um, I did their two-year investment banking program, uh, but it decided to to go on and do more like the managerial side of finance. Yeah. And it's just weird when I think about it now. I was in New York in that 07, 08, 09 period where just, it was just a bloodbath. Um, yeah. Get off the phone with, uh, with ex-coworkers and everyone's just wondering like, is this the day that I'm going to, you know, get cut? It was, it was yeah. a very weird time. And, um, to be in New York. Uh, so did, so with the Warner Music Group, working their finance group for a little bit. Um, after that, do what a lot of folks do and they're not sure what to do with their career and that's go get an MBA. Um, I was fortunate <laughs> enough uh, to get into some pretty good schools and decided to go to Stanford's Graduate School of Business um, out West. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm saying this on wax, but I jokingly tell people other than meeting my wife here in Chicago, leaving the the West Coast might have been one of the worst decisions of my life. <laughs> um, I just really like California, but I wanted to get closer to home. Uh, so yeah, so two years at, at Stanford, loved it, really got to see some of the the, the the venture capital kind of vibe out there. 
Um, I think that's one thing that's interesting. The ethos of the school is just, um, I feel like a lot of places, they, they, it's more about taking over. We want to breed the next CEO. We mm-hmm. want to breed the next, you know, like it's a takeover mentality, which is cool. Correct. I think at Stanford, it's more like create the new. And that's a very different lane where you say like, I see this really dope big thing over here and I could take over. I want to create the different one. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a very different mentality. One that like I had not had in my, uh, really around me a lot, but I picked it up there and I think it's kind of coming into my soul later in my career as we'll get into. Um, so yeah, kind of go I'll speed this up a little bit, but, um, uh, after business school, when it worked at consulting for a few years, uh, then more corporate strategy in the M&A space. Uh, and then now I find myself in venture capital leading, uh, I guess, or I will say lead, lead the due diligence process for a fund that is focused on making investments where they focus on Black, Latinx, and women entrepreneurs with, mm-hmm. a, with a further focus on kind of the Chicagoland area. Uh, okay. But we're doing some deals nationwide, and I just love it. Uh, it, it really feels like the culmination of you know, my investment banking, consulting, mm-hmm. et cetera, background, where you're doing a lot of great things in those spaces to, I think, advise, mm-hmm. um, but not always put a skin in the game. When you're in the venture capital world or the private equity world, um, or I guess even as, as an entrepreneur, it's skin in the game. Like what you're doing is not, you know, giving someone a deck and some advice saying like, tell me how it goes. It's like, hey, we're going to do this. And, 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 and we hope to have a, a significant return, you know, in the future. Uh, and then to be able to do that um, with a focus again on the, the the black and brown community just means everything to me. Um, so that was kind of long winded. I hope that gives you know. A no, no, good no. Hey, hey, hey. I love it. I love it. I, it's it's very important when you know I, when we talk about feedback. You know, we're big in when we optimize portfolios and like you said, skin in the games. And we jump into the companies because people, you know, equity firms hire us to clean up or I shouldn't say clean up, you know, they, somebody's got a great idea or somebody's struggling the explosive growth. And so they, they're young entrepreneurs. They say, okay, can you help these guys out? And, and we jump in and we say, absolutely. Let, let's do this. I think that the importance of understanding the context of what we're going to talk about because to just talk about something without context to say, okay, it's blue. Okay. Great. It's blue. Why is it blue? So it just gives a little bit more. So I think, no, thank you very much. I think it's, it's very important for people to understand where you come from and where this conversation is going to go for the next, you know, 40, 50 minutes. So tell us, why did you pick intentional solutions for intentional problems? So I, I thought about this a lot because I, I knew I had a sense of where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And then I think as I started thinking about that, I was like, what is my kind of my point I'm trying to make? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had spoken with you about this is you know, obviously talked about in my background, like doing yeah. things that is with a focus on the black brown community, um, just equity across, you know, the world, you know, in particularly the United States where I live. Of course. Um, is important. Um, and in really talking to my wife, it made me realize people often say something like the system's broken. Mm-hmm. Or the way we do things are broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to call BS on that. Uh, mm-hmm. I am passionate, very passionate about saying, no, the system is working exactly like it was intended to do. Um, there were laws, regulations, you name it, uh, that were put in place, you know, since the kind of start of the U.S. Yeah. Um, that, you know. I'm an ex-athlete. I think about everything as like an advantage or a disadvantage, like from a physical nature. But you can take that to, you know, applying to a country, a business, whatever. 
Uh, there are things that are done, um, and maybe you could say still being done, um, to give someone a competitive advantage and to give yeah. someone else a, uh, a competitive uh, impediment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once you realize and acknowledge that uh, those are intentional, I think you mm-hmm. can be a lot more around thinking through what are solutions. Uh, so for me, that is very much on like the the, the issue of race. I think mm-hmm. it can also be mean the same for the the kind of gender equity, yeah. or you know, the LGBT the LGBTQ um, you know community. Um, is thinking through what are the intentional things that were created to be where we are now. And, and if you want to be an agent of change, how are you going to be intentional about doing that also? Mm. There, there's my daughter is very math oriented. She wants to be an engineer and an interior designer. She's 13 years old now. And I looked into engineering schools and I look at the percentage of women that are engineers and you look at the pay grade of engineers between men and women. And I said, no way. I said, no way. So what can I do now? So I started joining. I started coaching. I started participating. I joined a group called Women in Mining and said, okay, yeah, help me understand. What can I do? And instead of figuring out or thinking things like, oh, yeah, like you said, oh, the system's broken. No. Ask. Go to the source and say, okay, what can I do? How can, how can we talk about servant leadership? You know, if you, if we talk about the race issue, I think you, Jason, in the pre-show, you mentioned something that I think is worthwhile mentioning again. You can't stand neutral. You can't say, oh, I don't see color. I don't see this. I don't see that. You have to stand up and say, okay, like I'm, I'm 50 years old. I'm a white guy. What can I do? I, like I said before, my wife, I'm so proud of being a father. I'm, I support my wife through her births. I was there, but I will never be able to know what it is like to pump a baby through my body. It's, it's not. So I, 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 no matter how much I can say, hey, I support you, I will never be able to feel what it's like to walk outside and, as you mentioned before, be judged by the color of my skin. Yeah, um, I, I think the way you describe it uh, makes a lot of sense in that scenario with your daughter. Um and when I think about it, for like a business leader or any kind of mm-hmm. person with a leadership uh, in an organization, if you take the example you use with women in engineering, uh, you could either just say, hey, as of today, I treat everyone the same. And, you know, we'll just take kind of the best engineering folks we can uh, because of things years and years and years. Like you're probably going to end up with with a significantly more amount of males because yeah. this thing created started in elementary schools. Decades ago. So, yeah. Uh, whereas we, what you're saying is, no, go to ask why. Um, and then kind of think about, you know, are there different places on the kind of, for lack of a better word, supply chain to women mm-hmm. in, uh, engineers where I can get involved? Uh, how in my organization can I say, hey, no, if we have 15 engineers, like we want to get to, you know, some form of close to parity over the next five, excuse me, five years, you know. How do we think about doing this bit by bit? We don't have to get there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is fine. Yeah. But let's let's put a goal out there um, and go after it. So I, I think the way you thought about it is is, is is spot on. So tell us, what are the issues that you're faced with? So so you've got you've got a platform here. What let's 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 do a good, you know, for the people who know EOS, let's do IDS, identify, discuss, and solve. What's a what's an issue, Jason, that you're faced with still to this day? today 
as being a black man? Um, I think bringing it to career um, or just in life in general, uh, I'm all about like the math behind like the the the, the coin toss of like mm-hmm. job hiring, promotion, etc. Thousands of times over. Um, okay. So I'd say for me, I feel like you know throughout my career, there's definitely been a time where I'm like, could I've got that job or not? Yeah, maybe. Could I got the promotion or not? Mm, maybe. But fortunately, in my mind, my first thought is like, hey, you know, I see the people in the room making it is not, you know, anyone that looks like me or so few. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that that is one of my big things identifying is like understanding that representation significantly matters. So for me, it's like, how do I get into those rooms and then bring other folks? So I think that identity uh, identifying and representation uh, is definitely one. Um, I think another one is just that fact of outside of the workplace, I'm me. I'm always going to be me. Um, when I step out, I'm a tall black guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, 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 like, And that creates some situations. It doesn't create some situations. Uh, but that is just something that is constantly in the back of my mind and that how that is going to be for my daughter when she, um, yeah. a two-year-old, when she grows up. Um, or if I'm fortunate enough to have another son or a daughter, what happens to that? So I think that ongoing aspect of it um, and how this gets better but slow, that, that that's really on my mind. So I'd say those were the other two main things. And then I'd say third, and it kind of probably ties back to the first one is, as I continue with my career and get into a place of more and more leadership, really working with other leaders to say, you know, what are we going to do to be a change? Um, and I think mm-hmm. that more goes to my title is, I'm trying to talk to, you know, folks and say, what are you doing to be a proactive, intentional uh, change agent in this particular space? Um, and again, I, I choose race is a big one for me, but yeah, of I course. think gender is just as important. I'll never know what it's like to be a woman just like you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think those are the, 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 the big ones for me. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got so many... At- anecdotes from this when i worked with one of our clients uh tyson foods i was in carthage mississippi which what a lot of people don't know is a few miles from where uh, the event of mississippi burning happened so so very very hot topic in regards to race as well and so i'm with uh i'm with the uh the general manager of the plant and we just went out for lunch so we went drove from the plant to lunch and we're heading back and uh, I didn't see the change in speed limits. So we get pulled over by a police officer who's a black police officer. And me not knowing, I tell the plant manager who's black, I say, hey, can you reach in the glove box and pull the registration out? Because it's a rental car. He looks at me and he says, are you crazy? I was like, what? He's like, I'm a black man in the South. I'm putting my hands up. I ain't reaching for no glove box. And you know, it didn't, it didn't even dawn on me. It didn't even come close to in, in my circuit of knowledge. And I find my, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty woke. I'm pretty alert. And, but it just didn't dawn on me. And I was like, damn, still, still. Right. And he's, he's a grown man. He is a grown man. So it it was, it, it, it dressed in Tyson foods, you know, clean shaven. He's just like, I'm putting my hands up. I said, literally, and so he did. And the police officer, and I noticed the police officer was black as well. As soon as he, 
put his hand on his pistol. I was like, oh my God, this is, this is true. And I'm not saying that the police officer was, was wrong. He police officer was fabulous. He was kind. He, you know, he recognized everybody at the exception of me. And, and you're like, okay, it is true. It is underlying intentional. That's how it's created. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you talk about that. I've definitely talked with colleagues. Um, It's got a lot of press. I think in the last few years, they call it, you know, the talk, you know, what do you do? Um, Without a doubt. I'm saying seven, eight, nine, certainly as soon as I started driving, cop pulls you over, all the lights on. I mean, you, you, you the windows down, yeah. hands on the radio down, hands on the steering wheel. Like it is just a, it, it's, 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 um, it's, um, it's, 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 it's ingrained. It's an automation. It's a, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, it is funny. It definitely has me thinking of a story of, again, it's one of those things like you just never know. But I remember when I was in investment banking, we were out, you know, I think we were celebrating a deal or something like that. And we were out at, at kind of a, of a bar. And mm-hmm. I do remember, um, and I'm kind of embarrassed by this, but like, we weren't rowdy by any means, but it was like our whole mm-hmm. group. But I do remember at one point, like, um, being asked to leave. And I don't think it was be- because, you know, like a, like a racial thing, but it was more, mm-hmm. I think we were, um, there was like a junior person where I think like they got in trouble, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And eventually, I think they were like, we have to pick it. Now, it is very possible they're like, this is kind of group, and the tall guy is the easiest one to do it. Mm-hmm. But I just remember uh, him coming and be like, you, you got to go. And it was kind of like all of you, but it was like him, and he was like kind of aggressive. Not like in a yeah. terrible way. More than anything, what I do remember is like the embarrassment of the moment. And in front of this, like, yeah, and I'm, I'm young. I was probably like 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. Being with like the the manager director, all this stuff, I just started bawling, crying, and they're like, like, what's happened? I was like, I just like, I was like, I've tried so hard, like, not to be in this position. And again, there's a lot of reasons why the the bouncer mm-hmm. might have chose me, but without a doubt, my mind was like, it's kind of like the SAT question, you yeah. know? It's a group of us, and one is just so different. <laughs> like, who are they going to pick to kind of make an example of? Um, and I just remember then I'm embarrassed. Now I'm crying in front of my freaking boss yeah. um, and I'm huge, not huge, but a big dude. And I just remember like, that was one of those things that I used to, I, it, it could have been any reason, but I know for me being like, wow, like I am now like in my mind, like I become a statistic and then nothing bad happened. Mm-hmm. Left yeah. something else. But in my mind, I was like, I try so hard not to be this, but now I'm the black guy getting kind of like pulled out in front of all his groups. Like, again, it's, it's, it's those small things that like the shame, um, yeah. So, I mean, but again, being young, you, you learn, but like it's that kind of always on your your, your, your brain that kind of just makes it difficult. I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to call it when it's there. So one of the clients that I served is we're with the young marketing group and most of them are female. And uh, I've been working with this group for two years now and uh, plant-based and, and super, super in the zone, explosive growth, great marketing team. And they said, yeah, in my previous job, you know, I I don't want to do this anymore, but I had to present to old 50 year old white guys that didn't do this and didn't do that. And basically she's describing me and, and everybody on the zoom call is kind of looking awkwardly. And I said, Hey, I'm 50. I'm white. I've, corporate executive she's like but martin you don't fit in that 
So I said, then don't judge the attitude. Uh, don't associate a color, gender, or a race to the attitude of being closed-minded or fixed yeah. mentality, right? Don't yeah. put all the old white guys in the same box. Don't put all the ladies in the same box. Don't put all the black guys in the same box, right? It is, that's the, and I think that we need to call it out when it's there in, and call it out in a polite way, like asking questions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for Sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was great. I, I had the first time that I was truly exposed to the South Southern culture was um, in Louisiana. I'd go down there again with Tyson Foods or BNSF Railways, and there's this place I used to always go to and uh, in uh, closer to Texas. And this, I love shrimp etouffee. And this lady was amazing she had so much history she was a big black woman with a huge laugh and i would sit down with her and she would tell me because it, there's so much history in the south of the u.s with so many things that happened I, I would just sit and listen and i think that that is the key thing where she would be so kind to me she'd text me and she'd say hey when you come into town sugar like, cause I'm going to make you some, I'm going to make you some shrimp etouffee just for you. So there's just this, it, there's so much that can be so much, so much of the gap that can be closed when you just, pardon my friend, when you just fucking listen. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, the opportunity for you. So give us another one, give us something that you feel that. Is there something that you feel that we could change right away? Something that you feel that a CEO, if you, you've got the microphone now, you're talking, listening on, on average, we've got between, you know, a thousand and, and 3000 listeners to this show. And most of them are CEOs. What do you tell these CEOs? What do you tell them? What can they do differently? Great question. Um, it's because a lot of me. It's, it's, it's simple, but it's not simple. As I, I, again, I say, if this is a issue or a topic you truly care about, you got to be proactive. You got to be intentional. Um, being neutral or saying that you're neutral, uh, it's not going to cut it. And I think the big things I've thought about a lot, um, this gets to what we do at, at Cleveland Avenue and Cast Us, is uh, kind of the, the, I say, kind of higher and wire. Um and that's kind of more for the investment field, but it can be used for anything. Uh, take a look at who you hire and what you do once people are in your organizations and where you put your dollars towards. So for us, that's investments. If you're mm -hmm. at your own um, organization, it could still be investments in like, you know, talent, investments in this. Uh, it could be compensation. But, you know, take a true, true look at it. Uh, and I, I say this over and over and over. If you it, it, do it over some time, it's not that hard. Um, again, I don't, I can't speak for every organization, but you probably got mm -hmm. some, some information on promotions, compensation, you know, who's come in, who's not. Um, look at that. If you start to look at it, and at the very least, you say, hey, I'm an organization of 100 uh, and across the board, very few managers, directors, you know, VPs, SVPs, you know, we have very few women. We all look like this way. We'll all look that way. I think you have to say, why is that? Mm -hmm. um, and if, the, if you think through, uh, are so we let's, let's let's ask the question because I'm sure that people. So let's say there's there's four guys applying for a job, 
Okay. Well, let's say a little bit more. Let's say 10 guys are applying for a job. 10 of them are white, one's black. And you have a CEO that's very intentional of increasing his diversity. And he says, well, I've got at least four guys that I feel and through our assessment are four white guys who are, which he thinks are stronger than this black guy. What does he think? What, what does he do? He doesn't want to be seen as hiring unfairly, but he wants to, he or she wants to increase diversity. What, what are your thoughts? I'm not, you you don't have a solution, but what are your thoughts? Right. So I think a few, I have to go back to your point around like as a context, obviously nothing's exactly black or white. Yeah. 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 I gotcha. Um, Size of organization matters a lot. So let's use your example. Say this organization does have, you know, 50 plus, maybe 100 okay. people, may not be a Fortune 500,000 people, but enough where like they know they're going to hire a few people every few years, uh, you know, fairly regularly mm-hmm. they can plan. And now, again, if you're a, a five person shop hiring for that one person, I think that's a very different situation. We can come I back agree. I agree. And yeah. Yeah. But if you are a nice, sizable organization where you hire regularly, don't make this a one off game. Um, I say you set a goal, you, you set a goal and you say, Hey, what does our team look like? So same example, take your example. Yeah. Added. Um, that person has 20 people in his, I don't know, senior to mid-level management mm-hmm. between CEO down to, you know, a director that has some P and L power, you know, but 20 yeah. people that are like, that's the leadership organization. If you're 20, um, is nowhere near kind of your local demographic. I'm getting kind of mad, but like, whatever, let's make an example. Your 20 is all white, uh, 17 out of 20 are male. Yeah. You got to look at that and say, our numbers are crazy, not normal. Uh, Well, not not even normal. They're just wrong. Disproportionate. 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 Yes. Yeah. In that organization, if you're high for one person, um, that's one thing. But that leader should say, if I have a goal to be, Let's say, let's be kind of, um, you know, conservative. I want to be at least a third women in the next five years. And I at least want to get up to 25% black or brown. Mm-hmm. We got five years to do it. I am putting some power behind executive compensation behind this. Um, when we're hiring, we want to make sure we're going to different sources. But this is our goal. And that's in five years. Um, and then, so you bring that back. You say by the end of year one, if we are at 5%, we want to be at 10%. And you start breaking down those goals and thinking about when you hire. So when you get to this one position here, you are a saying, okay, maybe this one, if the four other are clearly better, I say mm-hmm. go with, with one of the four that are clearly better white guys. But as part of your attentional plan, how do we start building that pipeline so that the next time we get one of our top four is black? Cause what I will say, if you are truly being intentional, unless one person is a rock star among rock stars. And personally, in my experience in business, it's really hard to tell that. We're not talking sports mm-hmm. where Michael Jordan scores 30 points and you know exactly why he's yeah. better. In business, <laughs> it's kind of like, you usually probably have different versions of really good. Yeah, I agree. If one person is it clearly, clearly, clearly better and you got four versions of very good, I do say, take the brother that's very good. Yeah. Um, And because you are thinking about this as a, two-year plan, three-year plan, four-year plan, and you know you're going to have at least 10 hiring decisions in that time, you're not making a one-off like, oh gosh, we're not doing this, but you are saying some degree of, we we know we want to go. 
And now you're thinking about it from that perspective. Um, and you're also saying, let's build a pipeline. Let's learn where to go back to your kind of women in engineering. What are the best places to go get talent? Who's cultivating this talent? How do we do that? Maybe we do have to compensate a little bit more to go get a great talent that's different. It's it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it is absolutely brilliant what you're saying, because the way that I described it was very transactional, very in the box. Hey, here's one component without context. What you're saying is be intentional. Don't look at that event in what in singularity. Look yes. at that event in the grand scheme of being intentional, like any other goal that you want to achieve. That is absolutely brilliant. And look, look at what you gain from just asking the question, which I would have not thought about. Say, okay, right, let's increase the numbers. We want to increase sales. So what do we want to do to increase sales? We want to increase and, and look at the demographics of who's around us. Let's have a very clear reflection of what that looks like. That absolutely fabulous suggestion, idea, and direction. Well done. Yeah. And I think um, you talked about it from like sales, and that's kind of actually how I think about it. Um, it's a pipeline thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, then, and it's a fostering of that. So, and I'm big. Like, and I realize all the media is like, oh, got to change tomorrow. Business nah. doesn't work like that. Life does it. But when you start thinking about things in a five, three year plan, Set some goals. You're going to miss some. You're going to make some. So again, I say using this mythical, we're going to get to be 33%, you know, mm -hmm. women, um, you know, if that's a five-year goal is, is 10%, you know, it, may, it might take some time to get started because you do have to build the pipeline. If you're at 5% today is, you know, 10% at the end of year two, good. And maybe you, you kind of try to ramp up from 10 to 20 pretty quickly. Like you set that, but I also do think if you're a leader, you set it and you make it fairly public. Um, I think your organization needs to know at the very least your, your top leadership team needs to know. Um, and I think now it becomes kind of a, where there's tied to compensation. Um, how do you mm -hmm. think about it? Uh, but if you are not putting out no different than you have, you know, we're in the investment field. We look at, you know, things, where, what's your 2021 plan? What's mm -hmm. your 2023 plan? Every projection is wrong, but what we can do is do some kind of, you know, varying degrees. If you said you're going to be a $15 million company, by the end of 2023, and you're at 2 million at the end of 2023, <laughs> we got a big problem. We got a problem. If you say you're going to be 50, 15 million by the end of 2023, and you're at 11.5 by the end of the year of 2023, we're not exactly like clapping hands, but like we're like, all right, we got That's possible. There's hard you're work to about, Yeah, especially if you're now like you're backing it up and saying, hey, we missed plan, but a mixture of here's why, but even more than here's why, here's our pipeline. There's yeah, a story there. You no, know, it's, you know. it's, it's like a brand. It's, it's an employer brand. You know, the uh, previous guest that I had was all about HR and how do you, how do you build your employer brand? Because finding resources is difficult nowadays. So tell me if this is wrong. Okay. So I'm the CEO of an organization. Uh, again, what do we say? If 50 employee plus, you know, uh, we've got a budget for development and I say to my HR team, I've got a plan and I want to increase to that, you know, 33%, 25%, 23 women and, and 25 black and brown. Okay, great. Hey, uh, our VP of finance just quit. I want you guys to find me a black VP of finance. Is that wrong to say or to ask? Is that derogatory? Is that the wrong way of addressing it? 
I don't think it's wrong. So, okay, I guess one thing, my general premise, uh, obviously I have some stake in this uh, game. I'm always betting on black. I'm always <laughs> saying, like, that's not a bad plan. But you've got back to being transactional. So I would hope that person, when he does do that, he is saying, A, I'm going to pay top dollar because I might yeah. have to go get someone. Yeah. Uh, and then B, if they were already thinking about it, I wish they would have kind of some pipeline. But in your situation, someone just leaves, you probably don't. Uh, and they are saying, uh, 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 I want to be someone of talent. Because what I don't do, I, I do not want a non-talent person in that. Yeah, of course, of course. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So, but I do think if they are using a headhunting firm or telling his HR firm, they're saying, you know, this is my target. Um, but you don't put the business at risk. So I think within realm, yeah. within range, I am perfectly for that. I still would say, hey, this is a near-term problem. And it essentially becomes a people version of a, of, a, of, a, of a fire drill. Figure it out. I'm cool. But I will also get back to what I said before. Step back, handle that. How do you do that plan? Because um, mm-hmm. I do think if I if wasn't a black person and I heard that was the case, I'm, I'm not too happy about that. Whereas on the other side, I think if someone, if I'm in an organization and someone's like, look, here's our numbers. We have a three-year, five-year, six-year goal. Like, we're not changing it tomorrow, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it looks a little bit different. And here's another catch that is always, you know, situational. You're hoping this is a growing organization. Mm-hmm. I think that's nothing. I guess I didn't put it to this. When you make this a different pieces of the same size pie, mm-hmm. it kind of becomes zero sum. Or at least that's what yeah, people I think agree. about yeah, it. Yeah. I think that's one of the scariest parts about these conversations is if you're not in that focused group, if you are a mid-level person and you wanted that VP role and you have now been told three out of our next 10 VPs are not going to look like you, you're like, I'm not competing for three roles, I'm competing for, for seven. And like, like mm-hmm. the math changes. But when you're a growing organization and someone's like, well, no, we're going to grow and we're not having 10 VPs, we're not going to have you know 20 in three mm-hmm. years, we just want some people are, then at least people at least can think yeah, we're changing. But it's, so that's a completely different kind of view, but it does... I, Framing from the top down, leadership matters a lot. So to answer your question directly, and what you're saying, I'm all for it. I don't think that is ideal, uh, but it's an intentional solution to an intentional problem. Uh, and I think, like we said it at the at the beginning, is we put context behind it, right? So I took this context. Uh, I took this action without context. And if you're, if you've got like you start from from day one, right? So you go back to the organization. You say, hey, listen. I listened to the podcast, what CEOs talk about between Martin and Jason, and here's what I heard. And from now on, we're going to build this in our plan, okay? And then that that CEO lady goes and says, yeah, absolutely, let's do this. And two days later, the VP of finance quits, and she says that. She says, okay. So as long as the context is there, and like to your, to your point, I mean, you don't want to hire, you know, a black plumber because he's black. <laughs> At, at the role of VP, it's it's not fair to everybody else, and that just creates more havoc and more animosity than anything else. Yep. If you tell your team, "Hey, listen, I don't mind paying the extra for you guys to do the extra legwork, but find me somebody of quality that could be that we could bring in at the executive level, and or at yeah. least interview them, have of- them build a pipeline, right?" Yep, and you got me thinking of a kind of another point I was uh, thinking of. So I'm gonna say two points in this one. Um, I acknowledge it's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. And I really only have one really, really good example of this. Uh, there's a, a firm called Medallia out of uh, Silicon Valley. 
their CEO has essentially created this challenge and has made it very public. If you go to, you know, we can put the link up, like yeah, we they have it on their site. And it's like, we have a five-year plan. And I think it's like, we want to be at 6% by the end of year one. We want to be at mm-hmm. 10% by the year of two. So like, it's, he's breaking it down. It doesn't say exactly how it's tied to executive compensation, things of that nature, but they, they, they broke it down. And that's one, you know, fairly large company that I've seen do it. And I think we're going to see more, you know, get into that space. So I think that's really awesome. Um, I know Collier's, yeah, Collier's in, in the real estate, um, I interviewed uh, the VP of HR and they've got a huge diversity um, target that they're looking to build as well. And again, two, she reports to two CEOs, one in the US and the other one in Canada, and they've both said the same thing. Okay, so how do we fix it? How do, how, how do we make this better? And they've got aggressive targets, which I think is good. I think that this... It draws up, as you said, this intentional what cap, I guess, is the word that's, yeah. that's been happening for so very long. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's funny because, you know, people will say, well, okay, black folk, it, it happened to Italians. It happened to Irishmen that came back in the 17th century, right? No, 17th, 18th century. You know, they came over and because they were Irish, they they were not from the island. They were treated like slaves because the Italians came over, you know, they called them WAPs and WAPs meant without papers. And because they didn't speak English like Irish, Scottish and and English and Welsh, they were segregated. So the same thing is happening. And it, it what I have a hard time with is how long it's taken to... To, to come up to this conversation, which is, which is atrocious yeah. in my opinion. So on that, um, and I don't want to dive too deep in that unless you want to, cause I can go there. I do think, unfortunately, the simple fact of skin complexion matters a lot. Um, and, and, and a lot of the cases that you mean, very true, especially here in the United States. I mean, like it was, it was bad for, for all yeah. the, 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 the kind of people of those origins you were talking about. Uh, give or take a generation, some learning of English, some learning yeah. of customs, you eventually become white. Agreed. That's not going to happen with me. Um, and and yeah. so, um, and we've seen other cultures, you know, been able to do that. Uh, so yeah. that's another subject, uh, at least for me. Yeah. Um, the other point that I think is important is we talk about this thing around pipeline. Um, and it goes back to my, my point around intentionality. Um, within any given industry or whatever, there are groups that can help you with this. Um, so I remember, and it, it might've been like a, 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 a CEO gaffe of sorts, but mm-hmm. the CEO of, of, of Wells Fargo, I think this past summer, whatever is like, I, we don't, we, we can't find enough like solid black talent to me as a CEO. You can't say that because it sounds like a, you know, I'm a sports guy. If, 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 if a head coach of a college program or whatever saying like, I'd be like, you need to know what camps players are going to. Um, if I coached a sport, I would know where the best 14-year-old quarterbacks in the country are, um, who are, who's coaching them. It's a little bit easier with sports because, you know, there's metrics and things like that. But my thing is, whether it's business programs, engineering programs, schools, um, nonprofit organizations, it's not easy. And I, and I keep saying it's not easy, but if you, you're going to have to be intentional about learning those things, learning where to go, um, and I think that is what gets difficult is if you just do 
what is normal is natural. And it's probably a little less expensive on the front end, which again, business is business, mm-hmm. but that's the non-intentional way. That is saying I'm being neutral and I've been agreed. Agreed. But if you, to your point, going back to the, the, the kind of situation you create, if you're not telling your, your, your head of HR or whoever's doing that to go, and yes, it might be a few more hours for you, whatever, like it, it's going to be some work, but find the programs. Let's build the, let, let, let's build the pipeline. Where's the junior person? Should we start an internship program? And for the internship, be even more specific. That internship is for these groups, more mm-hmm. women, whatever. Um, but that athletic mentality of if I'm a coach and I need to field the, the best team, um, I know the youth camps. I know this. I do that, that, that. That's how it is. If you are a leader and you're not doing that um, and you're kind of just interviewing the people that come to you, that's a problem. That's why that's, that's regardless of race, that's a problem. No, I agree that, I mean, that's a, that's a fixed mindset, regardless of, it's hard to find talent. Okay. How hard is it to find business? What's the difference? What's the difference between hunting for clients or hunting for candidates? There is absolutely no difference there. And that's just, I think what people tend to forget that it, as a leader, the job is very simple. If you want to be transactional, you can be transactional. Here's the outcome that I want you to achieve. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. And you don't care about anything else. If you're truly, honestly, a servant leadership, a servant leader, then you have transformational skills. And those transformational skills start with facilitate the work, elevate, and celebrate. And facilitate the work. To be able to facilitate, you have to ask questions. How do I make, Jason, how do I make your job better? If you don't start listening and start asking decent questions, there is no stupid question, in my opinion. Look at all the questions that I'm asking you. You can't, you can't know if you don't ask the question. And by asking the question, then you listen, intentionally listening and say, okay, how do I solve this problem? How do I facilitate this situation or this target? Then you elevate. You say, okay, great. How do I, what resources do I need to throw at this to elevate the organization and the best way to ele- elevate the organization and there's no robotics that take on a hundred percent of businesses now to be able to do so you have to elevate the people within the organization and yep. then you celebrate when you achieve a target that you've worked hard towards and people are getting there even a small wins a win a w is a w you won if if you won 152 to 100 uh, to 151 it's still a w it's just one point different but yeah. you still got that yeah. win you still got that that w so i think it's as you're saying like you you've opened my eyes in regards to how to really think about this your, your title the title fits absolutely well the conversation jason well done well done yeah, i appreciate Actually, that i appreciate that and so one thing I think about when I when I talk about this is um, sometimes I struggle with this person. This is kind of a I think kind of funny, maybe um, the other kind of thought I was thinking about from a title is I'm not that special. Huh. Um, and it goes back to, again, I keep coming to the same things and people are like, man, he sounds like a broken record. Is that pipeline conversation? Mm-hmm. I know I have been in rooms where people are like, oh, wow, Jason is special. And. For me, I'm just like, you just haven't met enough Jasons. And I do think I'm pretty special, but there's programs that literally, um, and there's groups that are, that are, are, you know, create a lot of these, uh, especially in the business. Well, I'll say, won't say business, especially like in the finance world. And maybe I know that, and this goes back to my kind of coach because I kind of came up in that world. I know where those are. 
Um, so it's easy for me to say, go point to them. But I'm like, again, if you're a leader, you care, you find out how to do that. And it could just be like, Jason, you tell me where to go. And now I figure out how to go do that. Um, but so that was kind of a, kind of a funny thought on my other one was as much as I do want to think I'm special at times, I'm like, no, cause, um, I'm not. And I think there becomes that, you know, uh, fortunately I say, you know, a lot of companies want their own Barack Obama. Um, mm-hmm. he is special by the way, but, um, I think if you try hard enough, if you're really looking, um, you'll find a lot more talent in that space. Um, it's kind of general thought. I, you know, you just, I, I've played rugby all my life. When when you die and go to heaven, you play rugby, eat steak frit and drink Guinness beer. That's my heaven, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not I like bad. That. I like that. Uh, um, Rugby is 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 not as growing sport because finding boys and girls that want to have that contact without protection is 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 fading away. So what you have to do to build a strong rugby A team is you have to start in elementary schools. You have to start building that pipeline that you're talking at the elementary school. You have to talk to the coach and say, hey, coach, can you can I come in, you know, once a month and, and do a little bit of rugby, t- touch rugby? And then you move on to middle school and you move on to high school and then college. And then all of a sudden you've got yourself a rugby club that's got a pipeline full of athletes. Now, not everybody's going to make the A team. Not everybody's going to make a Div 1 player. That That's not the point. But at least you've got a pipeline of people who can play rugby at different levels that match the intentions and values of the game. And yeah. what, you're, what you're saying is no different. Go reach out. Okay, fine. I don't know. I, I, I'd have to look at data. But you'd say, okay, what is the one profession that has the least amount of black people? I would not know the answer to that. But let's just say, I don't know, astronaut to pick something. Okay. Well, let's start building an astronaut prod uh, program that reaches as far back as elementary school to be able to target some of the, the, the communities that are black and say, okay, let's start building an astronaut project. Hey, listen, look at the stars, astronomy. You know, we look at physics. We look at, at, at engineering. You look at all those things so that they're capable of at least providing or developing a structure that facilitates black people to become an astronaut. Yeah. I don't know. So two, two interesting things there. One, fully agree. Two, learned a little bit about rugby. I worked for a New Zealand company, and that's how the country <laughs> is. Um, whereas if you're in the United States and you're, you know, run fast and really strong, you're probably playing football. Yeah. Over there, you're playing rugby, and they got some big fast guys over there i was like that guy's a middle linebacker if he grew up in the united states uh but they did what you said they like their young youth development programs are incredible over there for the for the sport um so that's kind of funny because i know just enough about rugby to be dangerous but you won't get my skinny butt playing that game Um, well this bends when it shouldn't bend my ear doesn't bend when it should bend i've got a fake hip there's there's a whole bunch of things that that go on um I'm actually, uh, I'm actually 25. I just look 50. Uh. <laughs> oh. um, Jason, yeah, what is, oh, sorry. That, this one is, and I apologize, coming back to it is, so, 
your your example is kind of get like at the macro level. What I think is important in something similar to that is on the business community leader basis, um, small decisions played out thousands of times, it creates change. Uh, well and, and that is the thing where I say as a business leader, like, I think it's easy for someone to say, okay, um, I'm only, you know, 10, 10 people in my company, but that's a big United States problem, or that's a big Canada problem. My thing is if, you know, the leadership, if, if, if you're 10 and that happens a hundred times, you get to the results. So Agreed. we're talking about macro problems that are solved at the micro level and that micro intentionality, you, I hope, will lead to macro results. Um, and, 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 and again, I acknowledge it's hard, uh, but to me, you know, that's how you got to think about it. Agreed. Agreed. I, I mean, I volunteer my, my time as the chief operating officer for an organization called Mission Possible, where we take people which from the downtown east side of Vancouver, which is like Skid Row, and the people that want to get back into the work environment, we help them build a resume, find lodging, get out of their addiction and be what they would view as contributing member to the economy by finding them work and, and you know, like I said, facilitate their reintroduction, elevate them as human beings and, and celebrate each win that they have. So it, by tackling every opportunity and every human being, like you said, one at a time, I think it's the U.S. Postal Service uh, 10 years back. He says he changed the mindset of the organization. He says, instead of processing 10, 10 million pieces of, of mail a day, how about we process one piece of mail well and repeat the process 10 million times? Exactly. And so, that, exactly. That, so that I think is very, by having a, a, a bigger contextual understanding and then not being transactional like I was. So there's a lot of learning today. Um, Jason, wow. what's the, what's the, what's the piece of, of reference, a book, a coach, Ooh. uh, something that you feel that you always go back to either in business or in life that you go, Hey, this is, this is the, this is the, the book, or like I said, a coach that said something to you and that you honestly live every single day and that you refer to. That's a really tough question. I'm going uh, to take a moment to think about it. Take your time. Um, so one of my, when I was in the army, so I've got a book, but for today, I think that a, a good mentor is, is key. One of the uh, key mentor was, was a warrant officer. And when I was leaving the army, he said, remember this. Okay. There's three, three things that you have to remember in life. Number one is always take care of your mental and physical health. I say, all right. Number two, take can take care of your family and friends, at in order of priority. And number three, every fucking thing else. <laughs> and and that that to this day still resonates with me. Where I go, okay, if I'm not mentally healthy, if I'm not physically, if I'm not keeping the sexy, to quote Jason, then who am I? Who am I to help other people? If I don't take care of my own, if I don't take care of my family, if I'm not a good father, if I'm not a good husband, if I'm not a good brother, if I'm not a good friend, then who am I to serve my society? So if I take those two things very, very seriously as a human being, then everything else will come 
will come naturally. So that's that's a piece so of advice it, that I got. Yeah, so I will take this um, your question in a slightly different way. Um, I don't think I got the exact advice, but it's something kind of become like a mantra mm-hmm. of sorts to me. It's kind of like, uh, it goes along a lot with what you said, but like the step process, like I'm very big and, and probably to agree of some degree of selfishness mm-hmm. of I got to be tight. I got to be good, uh, whether that's um, mentally, uh, spiritually, you name it. But uh, I, I do believe like if, 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 if Jason isn't being my best self, uh, it's hard for me to be there for others. Mm-hmm. So the next focus to that would be my family. Um, for a lot of my life, that was like, you know, but my, I mean, it's still my mom, grandparents, other stuff. Mm-hmm. But now that I have a family of my own, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want my family to be strong, to be, mm-hmm. to be tight, to be good. Um, and as I'm doing that, the next part is like the community, mm-hmm. uh, for me, a lot of time that's the black community, but it could be in my greater community, my job, mm-hmm. it's, but it, it's the people that are outside. So it means it's like those continued circles. Mm-hmm. And I hope that one day it becomes like, you know, the world, um, you know, and, 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 and maybe to some degree it already is, but I don't feel that way. But like, to me, uh, that, that step process mm-hmm. and for me, very intentional, um, if you can't say, I like that word a lot, uh, very intentional about like that step process. Um, and again, you know, I say at sometimes it has been in my life, probably a little, you know, selfish, but I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm very big on, I can't say, you know, put the mat, put your mask on your first or your <laughs> face first. Um, uh, and you know, get yourself to be the best you could be to get your team to be the best you could be to get your community. So I guess that mantra of like, you know, what can you do to improve yourself? And then once you feel you're in a pretty good place, you never stop improving yourself, but you can start to take on more um, people. And I think that starts with your family and then goes on. So I say that's kind of a mantra. Um, the other one, and I hate to sound quite cheesy on this is, um, I think I mentioned, I said I grew up kind of in the suburbs of, of, of Detroit. Uh, I'm very big in, in, I guess this is weird to say, I have a tattoo that you know I, I quoted is uh, Luke 12, 48 from the Bible. Okay. To whom much is given, much is required. Th- that's kind of how I live my life. It's also really Spider Man's uh, his, his 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 mantra. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, With great no, responsibilities. I'm, I'm great powers yeah, come with great responsibilities. Yeah. Great powers come with great responsibilities. And uh, you know, call me arrogant, whatever you want, but like, I feel like that's a power. Uh, I've been blessed with a lot of things, and as I grow more power, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Um, so that's something that I'd say from a pretty young age. Uh, my stepfather. Literally, won't say he beat it into me. That's bad. But, you know, <laughs> he beat it into you. <laughs> uh, but he was really big at a very young age. Like, Jason, like, people don't have what you have. You know, they don't have your talents. You're like, and it's kind of crazy because you're like, you know, you kind of start believing your, your shit don't stink and the world mm. kind of lets you know it stinks. But he was very much, he's like, you got to do something with this. Um, I'm huge on that. Um, and everybody has their own talents, their own gifts. So they mm-hmm. positive one. But there are some people that have, whether it's a platform, talents, whatever, um, with great powers come great responsibilities. So that's probably my other one that is, you know, really, really big. And like I jokingly said, I, I put it in my flesh. Uh, maybe not the best decision ever, but uh, <laughs> it, it truly is a reminder on my body that uh, Luke twelve forty eight: too much is given, much is required. Well, I think that what it brings is gratitude and humbleness. I think that... You, you can be proud and humble at the same time. I mean, pride is very is very double edged sword, yep. but, but there's nothing wrong in celebrating and recognizing what you're good at. I mean, you're 
your superpowers, like you said, if you're grateful for what you've got, then you will never be oppressive in, in my opinion. Yeah. And that is the key thing. There's nothing wrong in being a superstar. As long as you're not oppressive or hurting anybody in the process, people will always be jealous. People will always be jealous of what you can do because they don't have that same gratitude that, like you said, you, you got and kind of, you know, instilled in you to not say beaten in you, but it was instilled in you by <laughs> pecking you in the head saying, remember this, remember this, remember this. You know, I tell my kids all the time, hard work pays off and not necessarily to, to, to work your fingers to the bone, but when you are involved in work, give it everything you got. You don't, and, and no is no, there is no maybe, there is no try. If you ask my kids all the time, what are three words that you cannot say in my house, but try and can't. So <laughs> those are the things that I agree, man. Um, any last words of wisdoms? Like Jason, this has been a pleasure talking. Like I could, we could go on for hours, but for the sake of the listeners, what's uh, any final words, anything that you want to leave the audience with? Oh, try not to sound like a, a broker record, but um, be the change you want to see. Um, it's it's corny. It is what it is. But like, I, whatever that is, you really, you know, put your, your, your time um, and efforts into it. Um, it'd be excellent and, 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 and try to do those things. Uh, so that, 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 I guess that'd be my last ones is, you know, be that um, again, as we've spoken, you know, so much. Um, and if we have one month, I kind of do want to talk a little bit about the fun that we're, that we're doing now, but uh, towards the end, but uh, you know, for me, that this, this topic of race and what it means uh, for society is just so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I just continue to just ask people to, you know, really think about what that means and look around um, and, and decide, like, do you think this is okay? And if it's not, um, if you think it's okay, then, Hey, damn, um, if you don't, uh, what are you doing? And, you know, volunteering is great. Uh, donating some money is great. But like, where are opportunities that you have a leadership capacity uh, to be changed? And that could be corporate community. So I, I've said that a bunch of times, but it, it really, really matters to me um, because I think it's what we see going on right now um, is, 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 is deplorable in, in a lot of different places. Um, yeah. and, and I'll go there. Um, so, yeah. The, for me, what, the one thing that I practice is in be the change is always listen like you're wrong. Even if you think you're right, always listen like you're wrong. And you will, you, you can't go wrong when you listen like you're wrong because then you're open to suggestions and different perspectives and different views. And that in itself makes you a better listener and, and a better problem solver in my opinion. So yes. Yeah. With that said, Jason, thank you very much for a very intentional conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should, we should ask what I'll ask the editing team is to say, okay, how many times was the word intentional said in this podcast? Yeah, intentional, it's, it's, intentional. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my daughter is going to really hate me for saying it all the time, but you know, as soon as she learns the word, I'm going to be, uh, you know, the, intentional in telling her that she's, she has to yeah, use you know, it. She's going to learn like, Hey, if you, you know, if you want this, let's, let's put it in and let's, let's think about it. You know, you just, 
accidents don't happen that often um for or, or positive accidents don't happen things just don't don't happen very often so I agree. it'd be funny she's gonna she's gonna get mad at me because i'm gonna be like hey you know spelling bee let, let's get it but uh it's gonna be fun <laughs> well thank you very much jason for being on the show it was lovely to have you on uh thank you this is a pleasure have a good one fabulous thank you with that said my name is martin hunter i am the host of what ceos talk about and I didn't forget this time, please like, subscribe, and oh, I always forget the third one. Anyway, share. That's what it is. <laughs> All right. With that said, thank you very much, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com.